Are you a forward-thinking farmer or agribusiness professional? Then Dairy Strong is the premier event for you, the inventors, the visionaries, and the champions of agriculture. Join us on January 16th through 18th in Green Bay, Wisconsin at Dairy Strong, a place where ideas collide, where minds are ignited, and where potential is fully unlocked. Get ready to be inspired by our lineup of captivating speakers who will share their expertise on sustainability, innovation, and more. Dairy Strong just isn't about knowledge. It's about reconnecting with old friends, forging new connections, and celebrating the power of the dairy community. Don't miss out. Visit DairyStrong.org for more information and reserve your spot today. You, your farm, and your future matter to us. Welcome to Dairy Stream, a podcast focusing on opportunities and challenges impacting the future of dairy. This podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations fighting for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Joanna Guza. In 2021, the Nature Conservancy, the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy, and the Institute for Feed Education and Research launched a three-year project to explore innovative feed management strategies that can reduce methane emissions in dairy cattle. They are working with up to 10 dairy farms in Michigan and Wisconsin. Our guest today is Dr. Partha Ray. He is a dairy scientist and a veterinarian with over 10 years of experience working with dairy production stakeholders to develop on-farm and system-level solutions to improve dairy production sustainability. In this first part, we're going to learn more about the study and the feed management strategies. And then in part two, we'll jump into how feed management strategies can help farmers reach their sustainability goals. Well, Partha, if you could start the conversation by sharing what has been done with the research project so far. Yes, thank you uh, for the introduction. So GG emission from agriculture is contributing to the overall GG emission across the world. And within that, if you look at the enteric methane emission from ruminants, um, that's one of the major contributors to overall GG emission from agriculture. Now, there are ways to reduce enteric methane emission from dairy cows. There are dietary intervention or feed management practices that could be adopted to reduce enteric methane emissions. But there are multiple questions around how we can do that correctly so that we can achieve the goal that we want to achieve. And one of the the major goals of this project is to answer those questions for farmers who can actually adopt those feed management practices to reduce enteric methane emissions. We are also aiming to inform USDA and RCS about the barriers to adopting those practices and suggest a potential incentive structure to help farmers adopt feed management practices. So this is one USDA NRCS funded conservation innovation grant, which means we are going to do demonstration trials on farms. Mm -hmm. Different trials have been done to evaluate the impact of feed management practices on enteric methane emissions. Most of them are done in controlled experimental setup in university settings. We wanted to take those trials and results to the ground and do it on a commercial farm to make sure they work the same way when we use those on 
commercial dairy farms. So to do that kind of trials, you require a lot of preparations. And that's what we have been doing. We are almost done with all the preparations that we need to do to run those commercial, run those animal trials on commercial dairy farms so that we can generate meaningful data and information that's going to be useful for various stakeholders across the dairy supply chain. For example, we are trying to we identify the interventions that we, we are going to use, uh, what kind of farms we would need to generate meaningful information, what the design would look like, how we're going to measure the impact, and many other logistics in order to conduct a successful on-farm animal trial. Sounds like you guys have been really busy. Could you maybe walk us through one example of your on-farm trial? Describe the farm and then what items took place for the study? So first, I would, I would start with what kind of dietary interventions we are talking about here to reduce enteric methane emissions. So the ones that we are primarily looking at are feed additives, which could reduce enteric methane emission from dairy cows. And uh, without mentioning any, any name, I can tell those feed additives are commercially available because we want to use the ones uh, that has been approved by FDA. So that means it has gone through the regulatory trials and uh, for the approval process that's required by FDA. So those are the registered commercial products which could reduce enteric methane emission on uh, in dairy cows. And the farms that we are looking for, we have set some selection criteria for those farms, primarily because, as I said, we need to generate meaningful information by doing the trial such a way that it's feasible and reasonable for those dairy farmers without disrupting their daily routine, but at the same time using scientifically robust and powerful experimental design. So very high level, if we are talking about the characteristics that we are looking for to recruit farms in this project, first thing we need, we need to collect data. So farms should have a good system of data records so that we can collect the data from their, for example, farm management software. And farms should be willing to do the animal trial just to make sure that they are okay with the experimental plan. The way we are going to feed those animals on farm, because if feeding part is wrong, the whole result is going to be wrong. So that's really, really important. So how we can feed those cows on a farm without causing too much work for those dairy farms because they are already very busy. And wherever needed, they would be able to identify any issues and they're going to tell us that something is going wrong so that we can go and help resolve those issues so that we can again focus on generating meaningful information from those farms. But at the same time, we are asking those farmers to help us. They are already very busy, so they will get the payments, incentive payments for participation in this project in a couple of different ways. And right, you have to be careful too that you don't decrease milk production because that's why we're trying to make sure eating mm -hmm. well uh, in the end to be producing high quality milk and, and making sure that their production is higher. Well, Dr. Ray, I'd like you to kind of break down what is like feed management? You know, is feed management a plan and, and how does that look like in this study? If you look at feed management, in my opinion, the way I see it under the big umbrella, 
feed management could include feed production, harvesting, and storing. But in general, feed management usually refers to how we manage feeding our dairy cows. So what we are feeding, how much we are feeding, and why we are feeding it that way. So what we are feeding, that includes two things. One is the types of feed ingredients, whether it's forage or any, any concentrate of grain or mineral and vitamin premix. And then other thing that goes under what we are feeding are nutrients. We are feeding those cows to make sure they get the sufficient amount of nutrient that they require for their maintenance, for to support production, for their performance, and to support their reproductive performance and system as well. This whole package is called feed management. And you could have a plan that includes all of these topics, how you do it on your farm with the end goal of meeting those cows nutrient requirement for their different physiological purposes. So that could be called a plan, but then when you execute it, and that is feed management. And what feed management strategies are being used in this study? As I said, we are looking at the dietary interventions or management practices that could have either direct impact on enteric methane production. So there are bugs in the rumen, they produce methane. So some practices could have direct impact on the amount of methane produced in the rumen. And there are other ways like you can reduce methane emission per unit of milk production. So the ones that we are primarily looking at is feed additives that could have impact on methane production in the rumen, direct impact, and some reformulation of ration, for example, using lipid or fat as energy source by replacing some carbohydrate in the ration. And that could also reduce enteric methane emission. So those are the dietary strategies or feed management practices that we are primarily considering in this project. Well, let's talk specifically, too, about the, the feed additives, and then I'd like to get a little bit more about what's in those feed rations. So starting first with the feed additives, can you share more about the feed additive? You know, the basics, like how does it work? How do they add it? Those types of things. Definitely. Feed additives, as I mentioned briefly in my previous answer, that that could have direct impact on the bugs in the rumen that produce methane. So those are called methanogens because they produce methane. So some feed additives could have direct impact on the methanogen population in the rumen. They can reduce, those feed additives can reduce the number of methanogens in the rumen. So that means there will be less methane generated in the, in the rumen. That's one way and direct way of doing it. The other way could be some feed additives, they can change the environment in the rumen and that could have impact on the fermentation pathway in the rumen, which could produce less methane. So switching from one fermentation pathway to another, you could generate less methane in the rumen. So that's another mode of action for those feed additives. And then there are management practices or feed additives which could create hydrogen sink in the rumen. So the way methane is produced or generated in the rumen is as a byproduct of fermentation, you get carbon dioxide and hydrogen, and they come together and then they produce methane. So if you can create hydrogen sink, a lot of hydrogen would be taken care of by that sink, and there would be less hydrogen available to couple with carbon dioxide to produce methane, 
and that way you can reduce methane production in the in the in the room. And so I just mentioned three high-level major pathways or mode of actions that feed, those feed additives can reduce methane production in the rumen. Does the feed additive get added each day in their ration, or is it added during harvest time and during the storage process? Very good question there. It has been a challenge, like how, as I was saying in our trial, the way we are going to deliver those feed additives to individual cows, that has to be right. Otherwise, the result that we are going to expect is not going to be uh, up to the expectations. But it is a challenge if that delivery process, delivering feed additive to individual cows is complicated, difficult. It's going to work for a trial, but it's not going to work in the long run for those dairy farms. They already have so much to do. Now you are asking them to do it one more thing. So the delivery of those feed additives, it depends on the type of feed additives. For some feed additives, they may not have the efficacy if you mix with the individual feed ingredient or the total mixed ration, they may lose efficacy or their efficacy may go down. So in that case, you have to make mix them fresh every day before you feed them to cows. But for some feed additives that may not have that issue, so you can actually mix that feed additive in the, the concentrate mix and make a pellet and then add it to your forages and other ingredients and make TMR and feed it to cows. So there are different ways of doing it, and it varies from feed additive to feed additive. And Partha, one thing that I've heard farmers say to me is feed additives are an added cost. You know, how can we make feed additives cost effective, or is there anything you found in this study in terms of the cost, you know, that added cost that farmers are implementing with using feed additives? Yes, that's a fair point there. Feed additives are not free. It comes with a cost. So if you want to use a feed additive, you have to purchase it and then add it to the ration, feed it to your cows. So one of the the goals of this project is to do an economic analysis and make a business case for farmers if they want to adopt uh, feed management related to feed additives why they should do that. I mean, we know these feed additives, they come with their climate benefit. Is there any other value proposition for farmers? So some of the feed additives, in addition to having enteric methane mitigation potential, they can support production or animal health. So what I mean by that, you use that feed additive, it increases milk yield, or maybe it increases the milk fat or protein, or maybe it supports animal health improves animal health. So you you take care of animal welfare by using that feed additive. Happy cows means better production. For the feed additives that has this added benefit to production performance or animal health, there is a value proposition for those farmers in the long run. But some feed additives may not come with all of that additional benefit. They may just have impact on enteric methane production. Mm -hmm. So in that case, we need to think about the financial model. There has to be some has to be some sort of incentives to help farmers keep using those feed additives in the long run, or maybe create a product like premium product. Like if you are producing milk and feeding cows, 
to reduce methane emission by using feed additives, maybe you get higher price for the milk coming out of those cows, or we may need to think about monetizing carbon benefit. So there are different mechanisms. We have not figured all of that out, but a lot of work going on in different directions to figure out how we can help farmers adopt these practices in the long run so that they keep using it and we achieve the sustained effect of using these feed additives on enteric methane emission. Right. I mean, we're looking at feed additives right now as specific to methane reduction, but you just mentioned a whole pile of other items that farmers should be asking about if they are looking at implementing a feed additive. What other benefits could it provide to their farm and to their cows? Last question as we wrap up this first part of Dairy Stream, what types of feed rations reduce methane? We have been talking about feed additives. So we add very small amount of these feed additives, maybe 0.5 grams, 1 grams, 2 grams, very small compared to the total amount of feed ration that we feed to our cows daily. But those additives, they come with that methane mitigation potential. Do you always have to use feed additives to reduce enteric methane emission? The answer is not necessarily. You may have a feed ration and by changing the formulation of the ration, you could reduce enteric methane emission. But to begin with, you have to look at the quality of that feed ration. If you are feeding a ration to your cows um, with not very high digestibility, then those cows are going to be less efficient in utilizing energy. So they would be they would be wasting a lot of energy as methane and less energy would be channeled towards producing milk. So by improving the quality, the digestibility of your ration, you can reduce enteric methane emissions. That's very straightforward and simple way. You don't really need any value proposition there because by feeding high quality ration, you are asking those cows to produce more milk from the same amount of feed. So you are getting more production, which is going to help with your ROI. And then some rations, they may have some ingredients that may contain some bioactive compounds or what I mean by that is uh, plant secondary metabolites, which could have enteric methane mitigation potential. For example, if you add a forage uh, which has, let's say, tannin in it, and we know tannin can suppress methane production in the rumen. So without doing anything, since you have included a feed ingredient which contains tanniniferous compound, it could have an impact on enteric methane production. Dr. Ray, I'm hearing that quality matters. What about in terms of, uh, you know, in, in Michigan and Wisconsin, farmers are feeding a lot of haylage, you know, corn silage, altering how much they're feeding of those two items, or if someone uses a perennial grass versus alfalfa, does that impact the methane reduction at all? Yes, it definitely does. So if you are feeding grass silage, and usually it's considered that corn silage has uh, more digestibility, more nutrient dense compared to the, the grass silage, unless you are talking about very high quality grass. But in general, corn silage is considered highly digestible compared to grass silage. So if you have been feeding grass silage to your cows and now you are switching from grass silage to corn silage, you need to tweak the ration there to make sure that you are providing sufficient nutrient to your cows 
and not supplying excess in excess of what they require. But anyway, switching from grass silage to corn silage is going to help you to reduce enteric methanemation just because corn silage is more digestible compared to grass silage. Thank you so much for your insight in this first part of Dairy Stream. We've been talking with Dr. Partha Ray. He is the lead dairy scientist at the Nature Conservancy. In the second part, he's going to share the most interesting finding in the study and how you can create your own feed management strategy. So make sure you stay with us. We will be right back with Dairy Stream after we hear from our sponsor. The Nature Conservancy is a global conservation organization dedicated to conserving the lands and waters on which all life depends. Guided by science, we create innovative, on-the-ground solutions to our world's toughest challenges so that nature and people can thrive together. In Wisconsin, we help farmers improve soil health and protect clean water while sustaining profitability. The Nature Conservancy is also a partner in the Dairy Feed in Focus, an industry-led effort that includes the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy and Syngenta. The Dairy Feed in Focus is designed to help farmers adopt climate-smart agricultural practices. To learn more, visit nature.org backslash Wisconsin. Welcome back. The Dairy Stream Podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. Today, we're talking with Dr. Partha Ray. He's the lead dairy scientist at the Nature Conservancy. Well, you guys have been working on this project this study since 2021, what has been the most interesting finding so far? Yes, as I was saying that before we do these on-farm trials to generate meaningful information, there's a lot of preparation needed. We are done with most of those preparations and we have not started the animal trials yet. Our goal is to start the trials this fall and other than animal trials, we have learned a few lessons and that we feel like is going to be useful for NRCS and other stakeholders in the dairy supply chain. As we were talking about feed management and feed management plan, in our when we were looking for the template for feed management plan, we found one that's been developed a long time ago. However, the goal was not to uh, have farmers adopt practices to reduce methane emissions from dairy cows. It was more around reducing nutrient excretion. So what we realized that there is room to make that feed management plan template simple and tailored to the use of dietary interventions to reduce enteric methane emissions. So we have done that part by doing literature search, talking to the different stakeholders. We have modified that feed management plan that could work to help farmers adopt feed management practices to reduce enteric emissions. In addition to that, we have also identified some challenges, which includes the direct measurement of enteric methane emission in a commercial setting. As I said, there are studies and trials that happen in controlled setting where you have resources and facilities to do the trials. When you talk about doing those or repeating those trials in a commercial setting, the direct me measurement of enteric methane emission becomes a challenge. It's not impossible, but it requires a lot of effort and a lot of resources and a lot of planning. So that we identified as one of the challenges, not just for us, for any other project where they are trying to do the direct measurement of enteric methane emission on a commercial farm. 
we also identified some research gaps that we won't be able to answer in this project. So that I would say is a funding to let NRCS and the research community about those research gaps so that they can channel their effort toward answering questions and filling those gaps. So I would say at the end, while we were waiting for some answers to some existing questions around feed management practices and entering methane emissions, we found even more questions. That's one additional funding for this project so far. And I feel like what I'm kind of hearing is, you know, there's a lot of dialogue around becoming net zero and, you know, reducing methane, but we have to make sure that the research and that that is keeping up with the pace of when we want to set these goals. Do you have anything to comment on that? I mean, if we are talking about net zero, we need to consider all those challenges that we have, which could be technological barriers, which could be scientific barriers. If you are talking about innovations, which could be barriers to adoption or scaling of existing interventions. So when you set the target, whether it's net zero or to reduce GHG emission, from a supply chain or from a specific sector, we need to consider all of those factors that we need to, or challenges that we need to overcome if we want to get to that endpoint of net zero by a certain timeline. But sometimes it's just difficult. It may not always be easy to visualize the challenges. Some challenges we know, some challenges we find as we make start making progress. And then you need to spend time thinking about overcoming those challenges, and that takes time. And that is what we don't have. We have a set time, set target, and we just need to act quickly, even quicker than what we are currently doing. Right, especially when those challenges can can pop up. Now, I'd like to talk about you know how a farm can create or start a feed management strategy. Can you provide some insight on how a farm could get started? There are uh, resources available, but when you are talking about feed management strategy, a lot of farms, they are managing the way they are feeding, but they may not necessarily have a written document around that. There are a lot of good things that they are doing in terms of feed management. So that means they don't have a feed management plan, but they are doing the feed management. But how they can get started, I would say always start with the end in mind. What's your end goal? What it is that farm wants to achieve with their feed management? They want to increase the production. They want to reduce nutrient excretion from their farm, or they want to reduce methane or GHG emission overall from their farm. So what that end goal is, once they identify their end goal, then they should start talking to their advisors most farms, they work with a nutritionist, they have a veterinarian or some other consultants, start having a conversation with them, how they can help with feed management plan so that way you can get to your end goal. But in doing that, you need to assess what you currently have on your farm, what you are currently doing in terms of feed management. That will help those advisors to identify the areas where you can make improvement which will take you to that end goal. And then you identify the feasible solutions and those solutions have to be aligned with your end goal. And during that whole process, when you are assessing what you are currently doing, you make changes and you need to continue measuring and monitoring using a specific metric, which could be again, milk production 
for feed efficiency or the amount of nutrient excreted by those cows or the methane or GHG emission. So you need to have a metric that you can use to assess your current scenario and to monitor your progress as you develop your feed management strategy and implement it on your farm to get to that end point. In the first part, we just touched on feed additives being an added cost. Well, we know that feed cost is one of the most, the biggest expense on the farm. How can a farm balance methane reduction and low feed costs? In my mind, I don't believe that all feed management practices that can reduce enteric methane emissions are expensive. As we are talking about what kind of ration could help reduce enteric methane emission, right? If you have room to adjust ration such that it allows your cows to use the energy more efficiently, as I was saying, using energy more efficiently by cows means less of that energy will be lost as methane and more will be channeled towards producing milk. So if you can adjust your ration in such a way that you make your cows more energy efficient, then you reduce methane emission, you get more milk. But this process, if you look at it, it does not necessarily mean a net increase in cost. Why I say net increase in cost, because you may have some upfront cost there when you are adjusting your ration, but in the long run, you are going to get benefit from that increased milk production. And if you are reducing methane in near future, I believe you would be able to monetize that carbon benefit. That's going to help with your overall ROI. So there is no net increase in that cost in that approach of reducing intake methane emission. So you are going to get more milk or maybe the same amount of milk, but from less feed. So less feed means less cost, less methane emissions. And some feed additives, um, they have some cost. But as I was saying, I mentioned before, they come with some production and health benefit. So then again, we are talking about net economic gain there. But in that whole process, when you are changing something on your farm related to feed management, you need to preferably talk to your nutritionist or other consultant and other advisors who are helping with that feed management and keep that ROI, the return on investment calculation in your whole conversation throughout. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to make any change that will give you climate benefit, but it's going to cost you money. You don't want that kind of scenario. So keep that ROI calculation in your mind throughout the conversation of the process when you are trying to change anything related to feed management to reduce methane emission. Sounds like you're saying be organized, have all your numbers, get that spreadsheet out, along with doing all the work to make sure that you're feeding your cows a high quality ration. How does feed management fit into being net zero? And can this work with other items on the farm like environmental practices, genetics, etc.? Ooh, let's look at the first part of your question, like feed management, how it can fit into being net zero. So net zero means the amount of, let's say, greenhouse gas emission removed from the atmosphere. That amount has to be same as the amount we are adding to the atmosphere. So that's what is net zero. And for dairy industry, the same concept applies. Now, feed management practices that can reduce methane production in the rumen will help to reduce the total amount of methane coming out of those cows, right? So some of the feed management practices, they can also improve milk production without causing any change in the amount of methane produced in the rumen. And as I was talking about it again, before, we call it methane emission intensity. So you don't change the absolute amount of methane adding to the atmosphere, but you are getting more milk from the same amount of methane that you are generating. 
So for us to be able to reach the net zero point, we need to make sure that we can have absolute reduction of methane in the dairy sector. If you reduce just the methane emission intensity, that may or may not contribute to net zero because we are not pulling any carbon out of the atmosphere. So we have to use the feed management practices that can contribute to absolute reduction in methane emission. That means you're reducing the amount of methane generated in the rumen. So that's the only way we can get to net zero by using not just feed management, but any other practices that come with methane mitigation potential. Focus on absolute reduction. And the other thing you said, there are other practices, right? Not just the feed management practices, manure management, infill practices, you have genetics. So can feed management practices work together with those practices? I'd say I don't see why, why not. However, we do need more research and on-farm trials to confirm that there is no antagonistic effect when you are using feed management with some other practices. And also we need to find out if there is any additive or synergistic effect. So for example, like some the cows that are getting feed additives, the manure from those cows, when you store that manure, does it produce more methane compared to the cows that are not getting feed additive? Because if those cows that are on feed additive, you are reducing enteric methane production, but they are generating more methane from manure. So at the end, you may not have any net reduction in GHG emission, right? Other example is like if you selectively breed cows to produce offsprings that will grow into mature cows and that will generate less methane, we don't know whether enteric methane mitigation efficacy of some of these feed additives in those cows that are generating less methane will be same or less or more. So I don't see why feed management practices and other practices cannot be used together. Whether we can stack their carbon benefit to answer that question with confidence, we definitely need more research and more on-farm trials. Sounds like there's a lot of opportunity. And just like you mentioned, there's a lot of different areas that we can look at when we're trying to think about net zero and all the different practices. And even hearing you give the example, you can really see the full circle of how dairy works. Two more questions as we wrap up the second part of Dairy Stream. I know that you guys are still looking for farms to get involved in your study. Partha, if you could share, how can a farm get involved with this project? Oh yes, we would love to help from the farmers. Without them, we cannot really do this project. We cannot generate any meaningful information that's going to be useful for the whole dairy supply chain. So for a farm to be involved in this project, I mentioned to some extent some of the, the criteria that we were looking at. So since this is USDA and RCS project, there are some requirements from their side. So farms have to be like equip eligible, FSA registered, which are not a problem. Um, but the few other characteristics that we are looking at, since you are going to evaluate feed additives, we would be looking for farms where they are not using any feed additive with enteric methane mitigation potential. So if they are currently using it, there would be confounding effects, so we wouldn't be able to use them. And then time commitment, the trials would take maybe three, three and a half months. So during that time, we would need some support. We don't expect a lot of support or help from the farmer side other than giving us access to their farm and uh, feeding feed additives to their cows and sharing some data. 
but the trial would run for three, three and a half months. And uh, as I said, the studies, the way we try to design less work or no disruption to the daily management on a farm. So, but at the same time, we wanted the results to be scientifically credible, right? So to have a robust scientific design, we need, we are talking about 240 cows on a, on a farm. So that's the minimum number that we need. And, and again, feed delivery, as I mentioned, how we are feeding feed additives to individual cows, that is really, really important to generate any meaningful data and information. Mm -hmm. So we see that farms with robotic or autom automatic milking systems, they would be able to do that to deliver feed additives to individual cows in such a way that would help us to make sure cows are getting feed additive at a dose that they are supposed to. So those farms have to have robotic or automatic milking systems. And then in general, they should have a, like the data record keeping system. We could collect data on the milk yield, milk component yield, and the nutrient composition of the ration that they are feeding to their cows. So those are high level basic criteria that we are looking for when we are trying to recruit a farm in this project. And as I mentioned, since we are asking some help and time from farmers, there would be incentives for farms to participate in this trial. So roughly around $8,000 per farm. However, in addition to that, they can get some incentives from feeding cows some feed additives that is seven cents per head per cow per day basis, but for that there are some additional requirements. But if someone is interested and uh, contact us, then we would be able to provide more information around uh, incentives. If you're thinking this is a good fit for your farm, you're saying, Partha, pick me, pick me. We'll make sure we drop some contact information in the description so it's easy for you to get a hold of Partha and his team to be a part of the project. Now, last question for you, and I, I want this from Dr. Partha Ray's perspective. In the next 10 years, what do you think feed management will look like? By training, I'm an animal nutritionist, so I am going to wear that hat and say, whether it's 10 years from now or 20 years, we'll stick to the basic principles of feed management. What I mean by that is we still will formulate a dairy cow ration using high quality feed ingredients that will help our cows to meet their nutrient requirements for one or multiple physiological purposes, as I was saying, for their maintenance, production, performance, reproduction. That's one thing we would still be doing, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years down the road. However, we may get better at precision feeding with more and more advanced technologies and AI available. So what I mean by that is you feed your cows the amount of nutrient that they need. So if they need X, feed them X, not X plus one or X minus one. It is very difficult to do it, I can easily say it, but it's very difficult to do it. But I guess we can get better and better at it when we have more new advanced technologies and more and more data available so that we can rely more and more on precision feeding, which will help not only to reduce the methane emission, but also nutrient loss and other environmental issues that we are currently dealing with.
Lots of opportunities. Well, it's quite remarkable, the science that goes into taking care of our animals and then in return, taking care of our planet. So thank you, Dr. Ray, for sharing your expertise and experiences on Dairy Stream today. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. Thank you for listening. I'm Joanna Guza for Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, email us at podcast at dairyforward.com.